Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Millennials and Money Podcast. I'm back again with my same guest from last week, Tyson Redmond. Tyson Redmond is a client of Holmes Financial Birth Fisher and Company. We know each other through business acquaintances, and he is actually an advisory client. Let's hop in for part two of this, of this episode. This is I Flip Houses for a Living with Tyson Redmond. Welcome to the Millennials and Money Podcast, a podcast dedicated to help millennials to make wise decisions with their money. We find some of the best ways to learn is through stories. So each week, your host and investment advisor representative, Payne Boyer, invites a millennial guest on the show to share their money story. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. So you got, you talked about faking it till you make it. And sometimes you got to fake it till you make that first big one and then you, you're in it. Mm-hmm. Now it just comes off and people see it. Right. Someone told me the other day, like, man, you just seem so much different. Like from our first meeting, like, and it's because I've been successful. Right. And success shows. You you, you can't fake success. It's that you, you can actually feel it just comes off. Mm-hmm. So talk about what that first sale did for you and how it's just project your business to where it is now. Cause now I know you're doing a lot more than one every seven months. Right. So. Um, you know, it, it, it took a while to get confident. I mean, even though I had that first sale, um, it was a really easy one. It was a short sale. And at the time, short sales were taking anywhere from six months to two years. And um, I got in lucky. I, I got, really lucky the agent told me they just fell out of contract and they said look you know without getting into the minutia of a short sell but they're like look this is how you need to write the offer get it to me and i could get it into the bank and they'll approve it so it was a 30-day escrow super quick um but i still didn't learn anything I, i didn't learn anything until i actually left my mom's brokerage and went to pella williams and i got proper training so it was all all of my success even to this day but until I found my rhythm it was all just hard work like mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was doing it was like a sh- I was shotgunning it right yes yeah. um so it was just like I'm just gonna work 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 I, I was busy but I was not being productive looking back at what I was doing I was working very very hard and I think the hard work just by accident I was able to get clients but there was no method to any of my madness I was just doing anything and everything I could that I thought would work to get to get business um so it took about two years for me to really find a rhythm and to actually be productive to where I was producing um so it took me about two years to really start producing to where I was doing you know two to three deals a month um and I could go out and, and get business so so that, that's hard to put in work for that long and before you see a harvest to the, work the ground that long before you see a harvest what do you think it was that kept you in it for two years um i really enjoyed not having an alarm clock right um i didn't have a commute i didn't have a boss like um i enjoyed just being able to do whatever I wanted to do. Um, I enjoyed the hustle aspect of it. Like, I like making something out of nothing. Um, and, 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 and some of it was like a, a pride thing as well. Um, you know, I didn't really tell anyone what I was going to do. I wanted to fly underneath the radar. I don't want people asking me like, how's real estate coming, right? But I, people did know I left my job and obviously my previous employer knew I left. 
what I didn't want to do is to give up and to go back and like, oh, so didn't work out for you, did it? <laughs> Welcome back. Um, I didn't want to go back. Um, and I knew that if I kept working hard, because I had seen the small successes, right? Mm -hmm. And I'd seen other people do it. And, and I knew um, if I kept at it, like it would eventually work out. Um, so yeah. Um, but yeah, when you get those big at the time they were big <laughs> looking, yeah. looking it's back relative right yeah it's all relative but looking at the in um what could happen and it was the money and, and the money wasn't motivating me but what the money could do for me was the motivation like to get out of debt to stop renting yeah. right because I was renting at the time and was living in an apartment to be able to to have another house and to get out of debt I knew that was the only way I could better my situation because you know it's hard to make more money when you work a nine to five like even if you get a promotion right you know there's always going to kind of be that class uh, ceiling that, that's kind of what i tell it's i was talking about leverage when playing with my clients like spend less save more invest get a better return on investments or earn more money mm -hmm. and there's very few people outside of business owners who have that lever and then having that lever makes a big difference. But it also, the lever comes at a cost, too. Right. Like those first, like, until now, I didn't know how similar our journeys were. Because it, it, it's tough. Like when you burn the boats, like I'm not going back. I can't go back. I've been, there comes a point where you've been here too long to fail. Right. Because now I'm too committed at this point. It's this or nothing. So you got to make it work. And, you, and it's a pride thing, too. So we have a lot in common there. I know where you're coming from. Um, but you talked about T found out what worked too. Like you went to Keller Williams, you got mm -hmm. some real training there. You were you're trying everything, trying to see what stuck and what worked. What is it that, that worked? Was it a combination of things? Was um, it I went to it was the training. Like I could talk to people, right? You know, I, I like to think I'm a personable guy. People, most people like me. Um, but I learned how to talk to people in a way that how to elicit information from them so um when they come into my open house i know they're there for a reason but i have to find out the reason like i would just sit in an open house i'd give them a flyer and i said let me know if you have any questions and then they would before they would leave i was like hey would you like to sign would you like to give me your email right so i could follow up with you no thanks right <laughs> there was no, i didn't know but i but i learned you know, and I'd put out two open house signs. I'd wonder why no one came to my open house. And then when I went to Keller, I learned like I had to put out at least 25 open house signs, right? Yeah. How to talk to people, um, you know, how to find out what their really needs are, right? Because they're there for a reason. They want to buy and sell. Yeah. And they're apprehensive about telling me the real reason why, you know, because I don't look at what I do as sales. I don't consider myself a salesman. Like I couldn't sell you, I know. I couldn't <laughs> sell you a house that you didn't want, right? Yeah. I can't sell anyone a house that they don't want. Um, um, so I, I really look at it as just helping people. Um, That's what I think really all good sales should be. It's like, it's helping people find what they're looking for. That if people come to me, hey, I want to be out of debt. Yeah. I want to be able to retire yeah. and let me help you get there. And that, and it was always coming from a place of helping people. Cause even though this was my job and I, how I paid my bills and I, I needed the money, but 
I really just wanted to help people and the money was just a byproduct of me helping them. I mean, even to this day, um, I, uh, I'm at a point now to where um, I could help people even more, where I, I could spend six months looking with you, right? Because fortunately, I have other clients, you know, that aren't going to take six months to, to, to buy a house. And there are a lot of agents that I know that won't work with people that it's going to take six months because it's their time is worth more. Yeah. And, and, and I'm at that point where my time is worth more. Like I don't have time, nor do I want to spend the time, but I still want to help someone um, because um, it just, you know, I want them to think back to how hard they work to get that house. And I was a, a part of that journey. And so I want to be a part of that, like good little memory. That's really cool, man. They're, I'm same way. Like even their smaller clients, like to be a part of their, a part of their journey, like be mentioned in that. Yeah. In that you you're pivotable. Yeah. You you're worth remembering. So right. that's cool. Being it's part of that legacy. I think that us as men and athletes like one to leave behind. Yeah. So yeah, that was it. I learned a lot, um, on how to just be more productive onto doing the things that are going to be fruitful and 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 make me money. Um, and I took that and I ran with it. Um, and, and so, yeah, every, every, every year I just always, I'm just competing against myself at this point. Um, you know, I always just want to do better. Um, and so now in this market, having to work a lot harder to, to, to do better because there's, there's no houses to sell. Yeah. Um, and so finding those homes and finding those clients and with, with the uncertainty in the world right now, and there's always uncertainty doesn't matter where, where we're at um but a lot of people worry um about their future in the world their financial future people are just worried about making the wrong choices and when you're spending half a million dollars on a home um it's a potentially a, a huge mistake but you can never go wrong with real estate um you know there's always saying one one saying that I like is don't wait to buy real estate buy real estate and wait and it's not about timing the market it's about the time spent in the market so you know as long as you could hold on to a house doesn't matter if it's two years or 20 years you're eventually gonna make money off of it like you can't ever go wrong with buying a house we will discuss real estate investing in this episode and investing in real estate involves special risk including possible decline in real estate values, adverse economic conditions, and changes in interest rates and may not be suitable for all investors. Okay, so we're back here with Tyson Redmond. Now, real estate is a, is a good investment for the right person, but I can't say you can never go wrong investing in, in anything. Oh, okay. But, hey, welcome welcome back, guys. I hope <laughs> you enjoyed that disclaimer. <laughs> but, hey, um, Tyson. You, you, you share a lot, you reach success. Can I put my disclaimer in then? Go ahead. As long, and I think I said it, as long as you hang on, hold, are able to hold on to it, in my humble opinion, yeah. right? My opinions are not the opinions <laughs> of, 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 of Holmes Financial or Peyton Boyer, but as long as you are able to hold on to it, you can't go wrong because eventually, right? Um, it, it'll, it'll, it'll come back up, it'll go up. Um, you're able to leave it to your to your kids or your grandkids, and you know you may not have seen any anything from it, but they will. I mean, so anyway, that that's me. As long as you're able to hold on to, it, I've never seen anyone who is able to hold on to real estate regret it. 
I can say I've I've seen the same thing. I don't have anyone who hey who held on to real estate who is just, man, why to keep this thing? Mm-hmm. That I can't say. I know a lot of people would say, why did I sell it? Yeah. I wish I would have kept it. That I that I know a lot too. So let's um let, let's talk about you start earning a lot more money, you're doing well. You're now we get to the financial part. Yeah, people now- had to wait freaking 45 freaking minutes <laughs> to get to the point. Hopefully it's been semi-entertaining. Yeah, I and I is. thank you for having me. Um, um, I've been on one or two other podcasts before and I'm always humbled and surprised. People are like, hey, I want you on my podcast. I'm like, why? I'm like, I'm just, I'm me. Like, who cares about my story? I'm nothing special, right? I'm no Jeff Bezos. Well, I'm no Tiger Woods. Tyson, you are special in I, my book. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, people would say like yeah you're special but anyway so financial yes you want to talk about my you want to count my money and how i spend it yeah let's talk about well how what was the change like from getting out of debt Mm -hmm. coming through a foreclosure the most amazing feeling in the world you you got you got beat up you got beat up but you didn't you didn't stay down i was down but not out let's talk about getting back up off that mat yeah um it, it was like anything else. If you ever lose weight, right? You're trying to lose weight or when forget about losing weight when you're working out and you start to see your body change, it motivates you. So when I was, you know, my bills were low at the time because I was living in an apartment, low income. I didn't have some of the luxury items I had before. So my bills were very low and my income started to become very high. Um, so I started paying off debt, which was a really great feeling, right? Equating it back to working out. I'm starting to see the results, right? I'm getting the abs, right? I'm, I'm getting the biceps. Um, I'm paying off my debt. Now I'm getting to a point where I could start saving money uh, to be able to buy a house again. And I was traveling now, like I was taking my son on like fun trips. I was traveling the world and it motivated me. Like every time I go on vacation, it makes me want to come back and work harder so I can go back on vacation. It gets me pumped to go back to work. Um, um, so yeah, it, it was a, a great feeling in the world to just know like that, to, to, I don't even know just where I came from, like the situation I was in and to get myself out of it and knowing that I did it myself. It was it was an amazing feeling. It's man. amazing what you can do when you're intentional about something. Yeah. Like you had a lot of debt, and but you with discipline you paid it off. Like mm-hmm. a huge amount of money. Mm-hmm. What it was um, not much, honestly. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was around thirty thousand dollars. So don't get me wrong. Thirty thousand is thirty thousand, but I know people that are hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars in debt. Um, but. It doesn't matter if it was a thousand or thirty thousand. The fact that I was able to pay off that debt was, and then you was commit key. the fact that you committed to paying off debt rather than paying some, buying something else. Like, yeah, I yeah, yeah. That, that's huge. Yeah. And like it takes money. It does, yeah. The way my brain operates, it didn't make any sense to do anything but that. Yeah. So, but yeah. So there you are, you paid off debt, you're earning a lot more money. Mm-hmm. What was like? You're traveling a lot. You're enjoying your money, enjoying the fruits of your labor. Mm-hmm. Are you are you still relatively frugal today? Or yeah, oh for sure, yeah, um, yeah. I don't. If you saw the way I spend money, you wouldn't think I had any. Or you see how I mm-hmm. don't spend money. Um, you know, I shop at Winco. Um, you know, I've had these Converse for three years now. <laughs> Look at them. 
They look um, pretty good. Though. Yeah, they do. I take care of my stuff. Um, you know, uh, you know, honestly, well, not anymore. My fiance threw them away, but for a long time, I had holes in my underwear. Hey, and you, I could afford to buy underwear. I got a positive there. So, yeah, your fiance, what national? She's Hispanic, right? Puerto Rican. Yeah. So my wife is Mexican, and she hates like my holes, my underwear. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sitting there with men. Like we just wear them. We don't. They, they still work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but my wife got this thing that when I walk around my boxers, boxers with holes in them, she will rip them apart mm-hmm. while I'm wearing them. I hate that so much. It's got me to buy some new drawers. That's why she did it. But, <laughs> but for me, it just goes to speak how I spend money. Like if I have something that still works and serving its purpose, um, like it took me a long time to buy another car. I had a um, 2008 uh, Nissan Maxima. Mm-hmm. It ran great, right? It wasn't all beat up, but it was an older car. And, you know, all my friends were like, why don't you buy a Mercedes or Lexus, right? Because when you drive your clients around in your cars, which I didn't, most of us don't. Um, but, you know, you're making money, you're a professional, you need to have a nice car, right? You need to show that you're successful. And I didn't really understand understand that because I'm like, my car works fine, right? I didn't want a car payment. Um and and just because I didn't have a nice car didn't mean I knew I was I knew I was successful. So I didn't need a car, right? Or other material things to show that. Cause I knew. And if you go in my office, kind of like yours, right? I don't have well different. You just moved into this office, but for mine, I don't have any of my uh, uh awards or any of my accolades around because and I never post it or share it on social media because I'm like, I know what I did. I don't need to have this stuff up around. Um, But I do understand like, you know, people see you're driving a nice car, they assume you're successful. Um, Because if you could afford to buy that car, it means you're making a lot of money. If you're making a lot of money, it means you're good at your job, right? So it's the perception. Um, It's not always the reality, right? Because there's a lot of people out there that are driving nice cars and that are in hundreds of thousands of dollars or in debt or have that watch or the, you know, Gucci track suit or whatever, right? Yeah. There are a lot of people that look like they have money, um, but they're they're really poor. Um, and I, I see that a lot with, especially like my barber, I try to educate him, but, you know, he's, he's 24 and, but, you know, he's spending money on shoes and watches and hasn't paid, uh, I, you know, I don't want, <laughs> hasn't paid, well, I'm not going to say who he is, but. Yeah. You might need to buy a new barber if you don't fix it. Haven't, you know, paid his taxes in a year and he's renting and he makes, he makes, he's a good barber and he charges a lot. And um, he has a a great opportunity to to build some real wealth, but he's young and you can't, you can't talk, you can't tell him anything. Um, But yeah, I just, yeah, I'm still very frugal, but I do like to spend money on things. but I don't, you know, I don't shop at Safeway or Rayleigh's all the time. I don't eat out all the time. I'm not buying new shoes all the time. Um, I like to stay home, which helps yeah. like, because I work so much and around people so much. I'm, I'm very frugal. Um, I don't like to buy popcorn and candy at the movie theater because just out of the principle of yeah, it, I'm the same way. it's, you know, $12 for popcorn. Or the same box of Skittles that I could buy at the 99 cent store is like, what, $4? So I, I like to think I'm a regular person and I sneak stuff into, I'll buy the popcorn. I will 
do on that, but I'll yeah. usually bring this in. I'll fill it up with, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, fill up with an alcoholic beverage that I want. <laughs> but to me, everything is about principle to me. So when we want to talk about money, we'll, we'll stay on the money aspect of it. The principle of it, I'm like, it, it is crazy for me to spend twelve dollars, right, on a on popcorn when I could go to the store and probably buy six months worth of popcorn for the same amount. But I will treat myself every now and then. Um, but to me, I'm like, it's just the principle of things like I'm not spending money on underwear, right? When I know I have essentially a pair that still works, even though it has a hole in it, still keeps everything in place, yeah. <laughs> right? It's a, it's a balance though. You, yeah. you don't want to be an extreme on either, either end. Well, to and me, I think find that yeah. balance is key. Yeah, but for me, I I'm not good at balancing because eventually one side will win. Oh, so right. I'm always just very extreme. Um, so if I'm if I'm on a budget, like I just don't spend money. Period. I won't even go to the store and buy it. It's not 25 cents anymore. But I won't buy that pack of gum, even though I could afford it, right? But it's I'm buying that gum here. Then I'm gonna go out to lunch and eat tomorrow. And then I'm aging myself. And then I might go to, you know, tower and buy a CD, right? <laughs> By the end of the week, I've now spent $125 on what? Nothing on junk that didn't better my life. Stuff I didn't need, but I wanted, right? So it's always about wants versus needs. When I, when I try to educate people on money, people that I see that spend too much, in my opinion, um, or spend it, um, um, needlessly i say want versus needs like you know yeah and there's a meme i i i had on my instagram but it was hacked and i don't have access to it anymore but it was like you could go on vacation or it was something like you know you could go on vacation but you don't want to make your lunch every day or something you know it was yeah. about eating out every day like it adds up yeah right exactly. and so those pennies adds up um and, and people could do a lot they could afford that down payment on a house they could afford that vacation you just have to make the sacrifices and i'm always about like aligning your spending with your with what matters to you mm -hmm. what you value and some people don't do that and we don't do that you spend money all over the place but if you really it's just like i'm sure you do this all the time people think they can never buy a home but when they when they start really saving for a down payment They've saved way more money than they ever imagined they could because they have a goal in mind. Right. That's when it's so important to have your values aligned. To your why. That's in real estate. They talk about your why, like find your why, like what's important to you. And if your why isn't big enough, you're not going to succeed. Like, yes. why do you want to sell real estate? Why do you want to sell a million dollars worth of homes this year? Oh, because I want my daughter to go to college or, you know, I want to take my husband or whatever to Spain. We've never been out of the country before, right? And if your why is big enough, you will succeed, right? Why do you want to go to the Olympics? Why do you want to lose weight? Yeah. Right. If your why is big enough, you will succeed. If it's not big enough, and it's big enough and it's defining you, and you remember, <clears throat> yeah, keep it inside and remember why you're doing this, why you're getting the grinding. So you alluded to your fiance a few times. Let's talk about it. I did. Yeah, you, oh, yeah. A few times you talked about her. So try to forget about it. <laughs> so talk about how you guys met. And like now, now it's not a you've been doing this one person journey for some time yeah. at this point. Imagine things financially you got your home, doing your thing, cruising your business, but now you've got a partner mm -hmm. on the journey with you. So how's that been? 
uh, merging two. Do you guys share one account right now? We we did, and we what we do now for the last um like three weeks while we took a little break. I was on my mint account, um, checking out our budget because it's the 29th at the end of the month. So it's our first month like on a budget. Um, and the reason why I, I wanted a budget because I make a decent amount of money and um, I spend it like on whatever I want. I would never really track because I have the money. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go on Amazon and buy a $20 t-shirt because I have the money. What's $20, right? Um, but now that the, our pot is bigger, right? Now that we have two incomes, um, I, 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 I'm looking towards the future. Like, you know, she wants to retire outside the country. You know, I still want to be able to go on vacations and, you know, buy underwear to replace mm-hmm. if I want to, right? I don't want to be on a fixed income or a fixed budget when I retire or just moving um, forward. Um, so fortunately for me, my fiance has trusted me to take the lead on all of it because I'm better with money, right? It's interesting. Like I make more money than her, but she's a spender in the relationship but um so we have a joint account now um which um is 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 interesting to see her spending habits and you know categorizing it and looking at our budget um she went over the budget on an on an item which is pretty simple to follow yeah so i'm i'm mentally strategizing how i'm when and how i'm gonna bring it up (laughs) And, and you gotta pick your battles wisely. Well, this is a fun. very this will this will forever be an ongoing thing, right? Yeah, if it's not if they're not addressed. Right. And 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 I just I so I'm like I said, I'm strategically trying to figure out when and how to bring it up and 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 come up with solutions, right? Um, to where we could fix it or how she could communicate to me and and this is a learning experience because she was very apprehensive to do it because, you know, she's been independent as well. And, um, you know, she, when I brought it up to her about joining our accounts, um, she was like, well, I want to keep everything the same. I like how things are now. And I told him, oh, well, if you like how things are now, then we don't need to get married. <laughs> if you want to get married, <laughs> we need to change things. If you want to keep things the same, then we might as well not get married. Let's just keep it moving. Um, so, um, yeah, I, we, uh, I'm, I'm in control for lack of better word of all the money. Um, so yeah, I mean, she has, we have a joint account now. Um, so we have each have a card. Um, she has the mint app. I, I don't think she's looked at it once. Um, so I try to look at it every other day to just motivate her like hey like we're really doing really good on this on the grocery budget or you know we're we're only in the fifth day and we're halfway through this budget we're fifth day we're only in the fifth day of the month and we've already eaten halfway into this budget so i have all my clients get on the mint app uh-huh. and i think of it it's like a, the road map you know the map and you're traveling through the, through the jungle or whatever mm-hmm. and you got a map if you got a map in your pocket and never look at it why have the map right but at least if you look at the map and see hey i'm way off course at least you know what to do to get back on course and where you went wrong and what wrong turns you made so i just encourage maybe once a month with her together you guys look at it and you're doing the right thing starting by the achievements start with that hey we're doing a great job here great job here we're working now we can actually 
get that big wedding we want. Whether we, we're, oh, we're not having a big wedding. Well, what is it? I think we'll figure out what goal she wants and like motivate that you're moving closer towards that goal. It's the house. We yeah. have a house now that I bought um, before we were together. We were together. She was living in New Jersey at the time. And I showed her the house, right? I did the video walkthrough. So um, she saw the house. I bought it with her in mind, knowing that we were going to, you know, she was going to move out here and we we're going to be a family. But she still feels like it's my, well, it is technically my house since I bought it with my money. Um, but she wants... You know, she just wants another house now. So, um, and I told her, you know, and it puts a lot of pressure on me because like, I'm, she's in education. So unfortunately, we all know educators don't make a whole lot of money. Um, and so if we're going to do anything financially, whether it's go on vacation, right, go buy a house, like a lot of the pressure is on me to be able to provide that financially. And so I told her, I'm like, you know, you want to move, you know, I have to work or um, so our big why, right? Why we're budgeting and why we're saving money. Now we're going to cut back on spending is to move. So I told her, you know, we're not moving until until I don't tell my fiance anything. <laughs> right. So I communicated to my go. my fiance that, um, you know, I, I want to have 20 percent. Right. So we're not moving until we have our 20%. So I'll, for the listeners at home and in your car, the, I, I determined 200,000 is going to be our our 20%. I figured, depending on when, what the market's going to be like in the next three to five years is when we'll probably move. Um, well, we're going to move whenever we get to 200. But I figured any house that we would like is going to cost anywhere from like six to 800,000. Um, hopefully, it'll be on the lower end of six by the time we're ready, but I'm like, okay, I put it, I, I made a separate savings account. Um, and we, we still need to figure out, um, cause we're just, we're working on just three months of budgeting. So mm -hmm. we could really fine tune the budget. Yeah. Figure out what it is you need to have in reserves. Right. Well, not even just that, but like we looked at how much we spend and I've set amounts for like groceries and restaurants and like what we spend and, probably we don't need to spend as much on this so let's cut back so like we're not really buying bacon right now like we love bacon who doesn't who doesn't right and uh <laughs> muslims don't but anyway that's another story and, and vegans <laughs> don't vegans don't but um, another podcast right we spend a lot of money on kind of like luxury items when like i like steak so like i'll buy steaks when we go grocery shopping we'll buy bait a lot of bacon Right. But these are all things that we don't need. These are like luxury items. So we're kind of just sticking to like things that we really just need. Um, every, we usually eat out once, if not twice a week, like Fridays for sure. Like Fridays, we don't cook. So we're usually going out or we're ordering in um, the last like three weeks. We didn't eat out once and we were so proud of ourselves. Um, but she finally broke down last week. Like we need to go out and eat. I'm tired of eating at home eating leftovers. Um, but anyway, so for the next three months, we're just fine tuning our budget. Um, we have a little bit of debt on, on her end, we're going to pay off. And then it's, then we're going to figure out how much we're going to put into savings every month. Cause we have a savings account, um, for our reserves, right? We have a housing account now mm -hmm. stuff. We're going to, you know, savings account and we have a, a travel account. 
So I, I tell her now, like, we're not traveling anymore until we have the money. Like, and because the way I look at it, like, we have the money, like, we could go and do whatever we want. You when communicate we want. to her. Correct. But I am like, <laughs> now I communicate. I'm like, now, now that we have budgets, right? We have a travel budget. So, like, if you let's plan where we want to go, how much it's going to cost, and we could work towards it now. That's wise, man. That's the power of planning. This is um. This, this would probably be a two-part episode. Okay. But that, that's actually really good and really cool. But I, I want to talk about something earlier mm-hmm. um, that I'm going to bring up now. Okay. So you talked about, I asked you when you figured out like, what works. And I know one thing that separates you from a lot of agents I've talked I, you're the only agent who's ever said it uh, to me, and it, may, it makes a big difference to me is that your contracts get accepted, that you write good contracts. Mm-hmm. What made you want to master that aspect of the business, the contracts? Now, I've never heard any agent talk about how important writing a contract is. Well, that's probably why I'm a lot more successful than most agents <laughs> now. But um, it, 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 winning, right? Everything of a, of, revolves winning it controls everything right when i'm playing uno or or guess who check uh connect four with my eight-year-old nephew like i want to win right and they have to learn how to lose right in order to win or to be a humble loser right or whether they say show me a good loser and i'll show you a loser but (laughs) you know people have to learn how to lose but i want to win in everything i do i i want everything i do to be perfect um you know, I want it. I just, I want to be the best, right? Even if no one sees it. Like when I mow my lawn in my backyard, no one ever sees my backyard except for me and whoever lives in my house. But like, I want it to look good, right? So talk about getting back to your original question, the contract. Um, um, the co- to It's not about who offers the most amount of money, right? Because there are um, things in the contract that will not, you may offer $10,000 more than anyone else, but there's certain things in the contract that ends up bringing that uh, offer price down, right? Um, And there's things in there that just makes your offer look more attractive. Um, And and I learned that um, just over years um, of, of not getting my offer accepted, talking to other agents, learning actually what's in the contract and what it means because a lot of people they just there's a lot of blanks in the contract that people leave blank um and even when i was younger my mom always told me never leave anything blank right like when my mom helped me fill out job applications she said never fill never leave it blank if it doesn't apply to you always write in a don't ever turn in a blank job application and so what that shows someone who's looking at it, i.e. an employer, is that you pay attention to detail, right? Like you actually filled it out, even though you could have left it blank. It just showed that you actually read through the whole application, right? Attention uh, uh, attention to detail. Um, and people notice that, you know, the people that you want to notice it will notice it. Um, and so just do experience, which goes kind of towards why you want to work with an experienced agent, someone who's been doing it for a while and someone who's not even just done it for a while, but done a lot of transactions, right? Because you could meet another realtor who's done it for 11 years, right? I've sold approximately, um, you know, like 250 homes, but you could meet another agent who's only sold 100 homes, 
right? And those are a lot of homes, mm-hmm. right? But, you know, I obviously have more experience. And that's one thing I love about real estate. I've been doing it for 11 years, but every transaction is so different. And I, I'm still learning stuff about myself, people, the contract, transactions every day. Every transaction is so different. Um, but what's your question? Why did I want to learn how to write a better yeah, contract? What, what made you want to? Winning. Well, yeah, yeah, that's winning. Funny. So to me, I want my clients to get the house that they want. It's my job. They're hiring me to get them what they want. Um, it's a good feeling when they're happy and it's even more feeling that I was the reason why. Well, you know, they're like, well, you just wrote it, right? It's yeah. our money. Um, but a, a half of it is the fact that I wrote a good offer and, and without spending 30 minutes on the minutia of, of how to write a good offer and why that matters. But, um, um, a good agent, which if you're listing a home, 90% of the time, you're a good agent because it's very hard to get listings. Um, they, it's, they may not know me from a hole in the wall, but if, they look at the offer and like this person knows what they're doing. The fact that they knew not to leave this blank or the fact that they knew to change this time to change 21 days to 14 days. Right. It means they're now, they know what they're doing. Not only that, but their buyer is serious. Right. Cause I educated my client on why this was important to do this. Um, and, and it just shows that they're motivated and, and that they really want the house. So if you don't mind me asking, what's your offer acceptance ratio? Um, if we do a part two, I will I will do the numbers and I will give you an exact number. But I, 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 my my closing rate, I mean, it's man, it's really high. And 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 I I, I would like to think I would like to say eight out of ten in my offers accepted and but it's hard and well a lot of it has to do with my clients because a lot of times i'll write the best offer possible (laughs) but if my client isn't able to compete financially right and it's not even about who's offering the most like so one thing in this market that that makes you more competitive is if the seller wants to stay in the house after we close we call it a rent back and so if you're competing against another buyer and they're offering ten thousand dollars more you're offering $10,000 less, right? Layman is going to say, hey, or the everyday person, right, is going to say, well, go with the higher offer, mm-hmm. right? But again, it's not always about the higher offer. If the lower offer is willing to let the seller stay in the house for 30 days for free after the deal closed, right? Sometimes that's worth way more to the seller than $10,000 because they don't have to rent right? They don't have to find a place to keep their, you know, their stuff in storage. The stress of them not having to leave the house immediately is worth way more. So um, that's one way to make your offer look better. If you're willing to let the seller stay, if you're willing to share some of the closing costs, if you're willing to close sooner, right? Everyone just puts 30 day escrow on there. Um, But if you're willing to close sooner and that's kind of out of your control, if you're working with a lender who could close in 21 days, 17 to 21 days that's a good thing um but what was your question no i'm gonna go off on these tangents because i we're in his office right now and he has a big corner office with a big window 
and I get distracted by the cars <laughs> driving by and the, and the very unique, interesting looking people walking down the street. Um, did I answer your yeah, question? You answered my question. Okay, and, cool. and it's funny, you know, as the guy from the outside is just the guy who uses an agent. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, now, there, there's, there's, you, it's a bargaining chip, the contract. And like, these things, they don't sound good, but I guess it's need to get your offer accepted. Like, some people wave appraisal. When I got, when an agent asked me to do that, I guess, like, are you crazy? But I guess this is what you got to do in markets like these to get your offer accepted. And it's, it, you know, it's an end to justify the means. I mean, you're talking about, you know, something very small in the large picture. You're going to be in this house for the next, you know, five to, to 40 years. I mean, it's, I mean, again, why? What's your why? Like, why are you trying to buy this house? Um, and I, 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 um, I, I always look at it as a calculated risk and I always tell my clients, like, if you end up waving your appraisal or doing this or doing that, this is what could happen, right? Just be aware. Um, but I always make sure we have a way out, right? Knowing the contract, there are ways that I could, for lack of a better word, find loopholes to get out of it. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I can't remember if you and I discussed, but, you know, outside the podcast, we could talk about that, but there's ways that you could waive your contingency, your waive your appraisal contingency, waive your inspection contingency. There's a, to where I could still get you out of the contract where I use the contract to get out of it. Um, and if you know the contract very well, I could tell you to do everything you need to do to waive contingencies and still be able to get out of the contract. But you have to know what's in the contract in order to, you know, you know, find those loopholes. And that's the benefit of using a professional, guys. Oh, there you go. There's my commercial. That's his commercial. His contact information is going to be in the show notes. We're the enticing. You know, I end all these episodes. Are we ending it? Yeah, we we're at the end. What didn't we talk about? You tell me. No, this is your podcast. So here's the thing. As we end it, sometimes um, when I listen to other podcasts, I'm like, why are they ending it? Like they didn't talk about anything or they, I wish they would have talked more on this. So they were just getting um, to the point where I wanted to hear. And sometimes they're really short. And sometimes I know the people that are doing these podcasts. So I always give them feedback. Hey, it should have been longer. You know, are you going to have this person back? Um, but I only ask you because I want to make sure we, we touch on everything or what I was going to say is sometimes I don't, before I do a podcast, which I should have said this to you, like, I want to make sure that we're going to be able to talk about everything. Like, I don't want to shut it down at 30 minutes. If I know we could talk for two hours, I don't want to talk for two hours, but anyway. I think we're at two hours. Are we really? Yeah, that's all right. So this, this is a two-part episode that we're recording right okay, now. Cool. But, um. The audience does something. We touch on something that you want us to dive deeper on. Are you want to cover? Yeah, do that. Uh, if this is going to be a part two for sure, because I talked a lot and I felt like, I uh, mean, if you want to hear more of my personal story, but I feel like we talked more about that than the financial aspects. But I'll have Tyson back if you guys want to hear more from Tyson. I have him back. Um, yeah, I'll let him know because if, if you don't let him know, I ain't coming back. Yeah, put some, hey, give us feedback. Let us know we're doing a good job. 
Tyson, I got to end this show this way. I, end I promise to curse more next time. <laughs> hey, at, at the end of the day, this is a financial podcast and it's about financial success. And the word financial success means different things to everybody. And it means different things to even the same people at different times, depending on when you ask them. But let's talk about what financial success means. And I'm not talking about a dollar amount, but a quality of life. What does a financial successful life look like to you, Tyson, today? Um, for me, I think it's always been, um, being able to do what I want when I want. And yeah, it doesn't matter if you're making $50,000 a year or $500,000 a year. If, if you're able to do well, what you want, when you want, but like financially, you know, but while still being financially yeah, responsible. Going back to my barber, like he does whatever he wants, yeah. what he wants, but he's spending money on stupid school. And when you're doing that at some point, you won't be able to do whatever you want. Exactly. You want. But but to where, but yeah, to where, like I said, I could spend what I want when I want, but still being financially stable, which I am. I have a house and all that other stuff, so I investments. In, in a nutshell, it's similar to what I say. I say it's being able to enjoy your life now where you're tracking towards the future. Okay, that's, sure. That's what I use in a nutshell, man. It All sounds right. like you're right along there. Tyson, you're doing a great job. Is that going to be on your tombstone? Mm, no. It's okay. going to be, my, my tombstone's going to be, what? I, that'll be another podcast okay. episode, guys. Um, All right, cool. Hey, Tyson, you've been an awesome guest. Two hours. Oh, my God. But, guys, thanks for coming on. Enjoy the show. Tyson, you've been a great guest. Reach out to me if you guys have any questions about real estate. Um, taking the liberty of putting his information on the show. I'm sure he'd appreciate hearing from you. God bless, guys. Take care. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's your host and investment advisor representative for the Homes Financial, Peyton Boyer. I hope you enjoyed the show. It's my job to understand my clients' financial goals and work alongside them to design a plan to reach those goals. If you're looking at editing your own money story, I'm here to help. Give me a call to schedule your free one-hour consultation either via Zoom or in person. My phone number is 916-271-1974 or click the link to send me an email below. Have an awesome week. Payne Boye is a financial professional with Homes Financial of and securities offered through Bertha Fisher & Company Financial Services, Inc. BFCFS member FINRA FIPC Homes Financial is independent of BFCFS.